and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Jackie Hicken, I am so excited to have you as my She's the Boss Chats guest this week. Thank you so much for agreeing to it. Well, thanks for having me, Jules. My absolute pleasure. So let's start off with what it is that you're doing now. Tell everybody what your business is. that's a bit – it turns out I'm someone who likes food and my community. So I've literally combined the love of food and my community into what I call Jackie Can – cooking school and food studio so I run cooking classes in the cooking school and then I do food business mentoring slash content stuff in the food studio part of the business so I do have like a bit of a as long as it's got something to do with food and the community I you're happy I'm happy (laughs) and so how long have you been doing it for well I'd have to say I've been doing it my whole life Feel like yeah, feel but, like. But okay, let me let me qualify that. When did you start it as a business? Oh, and I started it as a business. So I started Jackie Can in 2012. So okay. I um we built it from the ground up. So 10 literally. years this year. Yeah, someone else pointed that out to me, and Woo-hoo. I went, "Oh yeah, it is too, is it?" <laughs> oh, I hadn't really paid any attention. Um, I think it's because it just sort of evolved. Uh, so yeah, 10 in 2012, I started trading just. Having guests. So this was the restaurant part of it? The restaurant cooking class part of it. Um, We built, we have a separate building on our property. So we started from scratch. It was an empty building. We put in a kitchen. We put in a dining room. We filled in all the bits of paper that you need to fill in. There's lots of (laughs) bits of paper. Lots of those. (laughs) Lots of bits of paper. You think you've finished all the bits of paper and then another bit of paper turns up. Um, So that took a a while took I don't know eight oh we fin- just finished the last one in two thousand and twenty so right uh, it took eight years to get all the proper bits of paper and then now we run it as a cooking school but in theory I have a fully licensed eighteen seat restaurant in my front yard which is just amazing <laughs> yeah just amazing and I have to say to anyone listening I've just had Jackie's cooking which is absolutely delicious and we went and picked it all from the garden first which yeah. is and we haven't which is very yet. much your kind of signature isn't yeah, it so that it's I about grow all my own produce so I'm all about cooking Gippsland food and produce and so I grow all the fruit and veg that we use on the property yeah so I've got like a three quarter acre vegetable garden yeah um, sounds like a lot of work People it does always ask me, like, like, oh, and I've been around it. There's a lot of vegetables and, and fruits. I'm like, uh, it's not that much work. I maybe do an hour a day, um, and then I have two two uh, kitchens that I can use. So I have one in the house, which is big enough for I don't know eight people in the cooking class, and then we also have one in the actual food studio restaurant. Yeah. Um, so we now run the cooking classes out there. Jules hasn't been out there yet. Um, she'll be out. Later when she sees dessert, she'll be like, I didn't realise that you could do this too. So, yeah, I grow everything here and then we do a lot of, uh, we call them walk amongst the weeds lunches where um, we pick and cook stuff and you, you watch me cook you a three-course meal for lunch. And then uh, a and little I, bit of hands-on, maybe I, a little, sometimes you might you might roll the gnocchi or maybe roll the pasta or whatever it is or 
the other uh, this little weekend, small things. Um, they made the collard tomatoes, so they went home with their own jar. They were very happy. These made this one jar of tomatoes that they bottled, and they got to take the bottled jar of tomatoes home. Fantastic! But talk to me a little bit more about your your new incarnation. I don't think it's totally new, but. Um, um, I've been working with you on setting it up, which is this coaching thing as yeah, well. well. So, sort of, well, it's a, and three speaking. things. We call it Jackie Can Cook. So, my name's Jackie, and we came up with a business name called Jackie Can. So, Jackie Can Cook is like business mentoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and even before I've put it out there, I already have people wanting to hire me, which is really weird. And in that instance, you're helping people take ideas the, to product yeah. and then no, but around food. No, but I also had someone, which you didn't, um, I haven't told you, that someone last week sent me an email going, I want to start a cafe. Can you please come and tell me how to do it? Yeah, which is just perfect. Um, so I'm just thinking for any of the women listening yeah. that you are the person to so go to. That's what I do. For I literally can help you with any sort of food oriented food orientation business stuff so in the i'm have a business degree so i have a i'm a qualified chef so a long time ago i went off and did my qualifications as a chef worked in different businesses um then just to keep myself amused while i was learning how to do business <laughs> i went off and did a business degree so i know all about marketing it, yeah. and all that stuff and then i've just finished my journalism qualification so turns out i'm pretty good at Yeah, and my Mm. partner's like, oh, so I don't know what the journalism bit will work in with all this business mentoring, but people actually want you to help them get PR as well or tell them how to do it or ring the local newspaper on their behalf or tell them what to put on social media. They actually want you to do all that stuff as well. So So literally anything to do with food, business, marketing. You're the woman. I. it sounds very vague and out there, but. Literally, I just do things that I think are fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be I do one, I did some blogs for a butcher and photos and wrote recipes. He didn't even know I was writing recipes. And then I made some videos for the local council, which were about community. And then this week I've helped someone with their cocktail product. Next week it's helping someone run their cafe. Um, I love it. And in between, I run my own cooking classes. So I do my own content, do my own stuff. It's like the perfect combination if you're going to live in the country. It's brilliant. And we're in the country now. So it turns out where I live in Merby North, um, and especially in the last couple of years, we live in a small country town. Like you don't have to, I don't know, we don't have all the trappings of the city. So, I mean, I still go and use all the trappings of the city. I go and visit it. When you need it or want it. Well, I go and visit it, but um, I don't, there's, you know, plenty to do, if that makes sense. Amazing. All right, so now I would like to go back. Well, no, no, actually, firstly, I want to ask you why. Why are you doing all of this? Why? Yeah, it's a good question, well, isn't it? Well, that could be the going back question. <laughs> well, no, no, the question is why did you start it as a business, I guess. Why did I start as a business? Mm. Well, that's part of the going back bit. It starts yeah. from the beginning. Well, so, I'm going to take you back to, high, to to childhood in a minute, so it's well, really more the, around it the – Well, actually started. Okay, but was there a light bulb moment in 10 well, it, years ago that no, suddenly made you decide no, to move out here? No. No. Okay. Um, so we'll go back to the childhood thing. So yeah, I grew so up on a dairy farm not far from here. My stepfather still lives there. In Gippsland. In, in Gippsland. Yeah. Um, so I'm the oldest kid of his, hers and ours or whatever you call it. And so <laughs> I did a lot of cooking as a kid, but I also had this plan um, that I wanted to go off and be a television engineer. And well, no, on. no, you're jumping too far ahead. No, 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 first, no, no, so. I, okay. no I have not. It's okay. all the same story. Jules is like, she's never read the about page on my website. So 
I had this plan that I'd do that, but then I thought when I was old, I'm going to return to like, and I was thinking like 30. Yeah, you know, really that's old. Really old. <laughs> I was going to like move back to the country, grow vegetables and cook. Right. Um, so that was always the dream. That was always like go off and be television engineer, then retire to the country at the age of 30 and grow vegetables and cook. Um, I went off and be, uh, went off and became a television engineer. Turns out women don't actually work in engineering departments of commercial television networks. I shouldn't need Funny to explain that. that much more. But <laughs> not like, to these women, like, I don't think. Not, not necessarily something we do. Um, I met my husband at work and uh, I burnt myself out a lot. So this was in around 2000s-ish, sometime around there. And so he said, I said, I want to move to country, grow vegetables and cook. And he went, you can you just need to go and be a chef first. So I went off and got my qualifications. So literally it's been like a 20-year or more process to Amazing. do this. Yeah, so and then 12, oh, nearly 14 years ago we brought, you know, we couldn't afford to buy a house in the city, so we brought this house in Moby North on three-quarters of an acre um, with an extra what was the old dairy. So it's the place up right, until 2012 that you used to come and buy your milk from. Which right. was before, not 2012. I lived here in 2012. 2002 maybe? Yeah, it was 2002. You came here and you actually bought the milk. Right. From the front shed. So um, just thinking there. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking it's getting warm in here. Um, it, it, yeah, we can easily turn. Do you want to, do you want to turn no, the no, air No, no, no. I on? turn the air conditioner on and then I, well, now I'm talking off mic. That's all right. Yeah. I will let him know. No, no. So, anyway, okay. So, you uh, now I want to actually take you right the way back to when you were a little girl and, yep. and ask all sorts of nosy questions. You can do that. So, what size was the family that you grew up in? There were seven of us. Oh my God. I wasn't expecting It was like that. the like late 70s, early 80s. There was yeah. like. That's still a big family. Um, I had a sister, and then he had, my stepfather had three kids from his previous marriage, and then right. my mum and stepfather had two more kids. So, so there was like family. seven of us. Um, and I was the oldest. And what did mum and dad do? What they did were your dairy par- farmers. Right, okay. So, so, okay, so you didn't have sort of any role models as such in business but definitely had the farm thing. Oh, so, I got the work ethic from the farm thing and I learned how to cook and the yeah. grow vegetables and the, um, when you move back from the city, which we lived in Hawthorne and we moved back to – we moved to Moving North, it turns out if you come from the region that you move to, you'll find things are easier for you. Right, in a few different nice. ways, as in you know the environment, you know how that acts and you sort of know what the seasons are like. And apart from that, the old school people that you meet, which you meet a lot of, when they're like, oh, so you're a townie and you've moved from the city, you're like, yeah, but. I started off here. <laughs> yeah, this is where I'm. And you and someone will know someone who used to go to the cattle market with your stepfather and then you're like, oh, yeah, and then your sister's married to someone else who's so related. In. <laughs> and your cousin's the chef at the local pub and, oh, oh, you're actually, re- you know. Acceptable. No, yeah, I'm acceptable. <laughs> I'm not that much of a bad sort. No. So um, that's. Okay, so you grew up in a big family. Did you like school? Did you go right the way through um, school? I I can talk about this. I was a really quiet, shy kid mm-hmm. who did a lot of maths, science type subjects. Okay. Um, and because I was the oldest and had lots of problems with my parents, 
You shouldn't move out of home halfway through year 12. Oh, my God. You moved out of home halfway yes. through year so 12. So I went from being a straight A math science student to failing. Oh, uh, Jackie, yeah, yeah. that so, must have been really um, – did it break your heart at the time? No, 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 not really. And then it took care. me – well, not that I didn't care. I just – it was just – I mean, I knew it was going to happen by the time it was happened. Yeah. Um, and then I couldn't stay at home anymore, so I moved out, lived in youth housing and um, went to a different school and did year 12 again. It turns out it took me four goes to finish high school. Wow, but you kept going. Like yeah, a lot yeah, of people so, would have said stuff, that's it, that's so it, it's I, not um, for me. So and look at all the degrees and oh, qualifications yeah. you have now. Yeah. So, um, so I, what happened? I failed high school, went to a different high school, and it was the year between they changed between HSE and VCE, so yeah. it turned a while back, and I failed one unit of English. So I wasn't very good at English at all, hence I've Ironically. Done, oh, ironically, now I studied journalism. Um, and wasn't very good at English, so I failed one unit. But then after I'd done my second year of year 12, um, I wanted to study photography. So I went to Melbourne and I tried to get into uni and uni went, no, you don't have a folio, go away. Was that RMIT? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um, a lot of my, the, I did media studies at RMIT and all that. a lot of my friends were doing photography um, course. It was bloody expensive too. The yeah, equipment that was, that requirements was the were massive. And then there was a school in Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sent me to this. They said go to this school in Bryson. It was a high school, mm-hmm. but they closed the high school, and they were only teaching two subjects: photography and fine art. Oh, so what? What was the school? Uh, it was called Ardock Windsor Brighton Bay Brighton Bay so Campus it, or something. Right. So it's not there anymore. Like they've turned in the houses or whatever. So they closed amazing, it, though. and literally back then. So we're talking in the mid 90s if you did photography at rmit there would have probably been five people in every group of 15 that had come from this course wow so they sent me this to this course they said go off and do this so it was vce again so i did a third year of year 12 and all i did all year was make short films and um take black and white photos. How fa- Oh, my God, that <laughs> so sounds that was so delicious to me. that all I did for a year. Which is interesting, though, thinking about the fact that you said you really love sciences and things yes. and you ended up in the arts. Yes. Well, it's sort of related. And then from there, well, because I'd moved from the country to the city I and I was involved in community stuff, I literally um, moved to Richmond with a friend. and. Um, so this is while so, you were at school in Brighton? Yeah, and I was like, oh, I need some community work to do. So I went and found um, uh, an arts project that was on. Right. So a couple of good young women were making a um, play for the Richmond Arts Festival and they asked me to film it, which I didn't even know what it was really for at the time. And I had never filmed anything in my life. Right. Um, and this is back when video cameras were really big and you couldn't use – we didn't have mobile phones – so I went off and did a six-week community television course and then um, got involved in community television. So well, I, hang on, hang on, hang on. So you finished school you, well, you while, finished, I was doing while you were doing the photography. School. I was like hanging out in the community television station. And what was that, Channel 31? It was before it was Channel 31. Was that when it was part of RMIT? No, that was before. There was The Channel 31 made up of separate groups. This was a group in Richmond. Right. So this was Because at like, our, when I was at RMIT, which if I was to go back would be about 1990, when I did this, I hosted a show on Channel Thirty One, but I, th- I thought it was the RMIT sort yeah, of they still channel in those days. They still have that, right? Yeah. Okay, so you did that. What yeah. came next? So, what do you do when you're oh. living out of home? You've finished school oh. and you've got a 
I don't know what qualification. Would you got? You've got HSC at that stage, well, literally, or VCE. And then I had one year of photography, and then I was desperate to move back to the country, grow vegetables, and cook. Like at the age of nineteen, so with no job, no income, no car, no driver's license, I moved to Fish Creek, which is not far from where we are now. <laughs> no, Three. well, for anyone that doesn't know, so that's deep in the heart of Gippsland, <laughs> on the way to Wilson's Prom. Yeah, um, lived there for a year. What did you do there? Oh, literally volunteer work and like. So no, like no, poor no money really coming no, in, no, just no, lots nothing, of voluntary yeah. stuff. Um, How did you survive? I lived in the country. On the dole? Yeah. And I guess the money goes far enough and when you're out yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, let me get – and because you live out in the middle of nowhere, you're not always forced to find a job. This is a long, long time ago. I've not been unemployed for a really, really no, long no. time. No, no, and I mean, you know, look, there's plenty of people at 18 or oh, no, 19 see, that might not know what they want to do. My problem with talking about that on a podcast is there's people in Moby North who think I'm unemployed. Right, well, we're going to tell them asked, differently now. I get asked about that. I still get asked about that now. That's And like after being here for 14 isn't years. Isn't that mad? And running what is an obviously a business and yeah. as I drove up, there's Jackie Can street signs everywhere telling so, you how to get here. Um. So, yeah, I moved around a lot, ended up working at RMIT. So, hang on, were you still at Fish Creek at that no, stage? No, no, I did that for a year, then moved and then back where to did the you city, move? Yep. moved around a lot, spent a bit of time doing sort of odd jobs kind of stuff? No, nah, being unemployed mostly right. and okay. um, volunteering a lot. I did a lot of volunteer work and then one day I got a job at RMIT, just literally I was at the community television station at RMIT and someone rang up and went, do you want a job? And, and I went, went, is there money involved? I'm yeah. in. <laughs> and I went, yeah, sure. And I got a job as a tech. Um, uh, we're doing what? So what are you doing with RMIT? This is the TV? No, so. this is the actual university. I okay. Was so you were like setting up computers. No. Uh, yeah. They, yep. Okay. That's what I was doing. Um, working in the media studies department as the tech. Oh, my God. I wonder if, well. The irony is 20 years later I go back as a student and it's like they've employed my doppelganger. Like literally they're really? the same sort of persons doing exactly the same sort of job, including down to the fact that they're a girl. Wow. Um, Isn't so that must funny? be the sort of person that gets that job. Um, so what was the first pay? So uh, what were you doing at RMIT? So you did community television at RMIT. What was the next job that you got after that? At RMIT, working in the communications department. And so how long did you stay at RMIT? Oh, I was there from like 96 to 99, I think. Okay, two or three years. Um, and then why did you leave? Because I burnt myself out. Um, Just turns working out too I don't hard. really like students and I really wanted to <laughs> work in commercial television and so I was like desperate, you know, like all mid-20-year-olds are. Of course. You've, I, you've had a little like, taste of it now and you want to yeah, go and yeah, see yeah. what it, not so realising all the old. So one day I just left my job and – um. I had a couple of casual jobs. I worked a couple, two or three casual jobs doing installs and working at a staging company. And then there was a job going at Channel 9 in Sydney at the mm. end of 99 and I um, applied. What was it for? Technical, te- tech yeah, side as, as a, well? Um, yeah, installations technician. Right. And I flew to Sydney, had an interview. They rang me the next day and offered me the job. And you went, oh, I'm off to Sydney. And I'm off to Sydney. And I'd already sort of planned when I was at RMIT that I wanted to move to Sydney. Why? I want to work on the Olympics. Do you know, that is so funny because I was living in London at the time and I came back to work in Sydney yeah, for the Olympics. Yeah. And the year 2000, I wanted to be there for the year 2000 yeah, as so, well. Yeah, um, so I went to Sydney. And hang on a minute, and I'm just realising, as I say year 2000 and Olympics, so you had to deal with that, everybody freaking out about the year 2000 bug and how we all thought sort maybe of, computers were going to uh, go down. RMIT and was doing that. Planes were going to fall out of the sky. And I... 
as an install tech, you didn't have to really worry about that. You know, I was right. just, and it was before we sort of – I went from working at a university where I had two computers at my desk and I could use them whenever I wanted to do whatever I want to working in that commercial television station where I wasn't allowed to turn a computer on. <gasps> God, it's so, it's so bizarre to even think that now. I remember in, in almost exactly the same year saying to my bosses, we should get email and have computers. And he said, why? We've got fax machines. Why would you need a computer? And I was like, <laughs> I remember when I thought, who needs a fax machine? You know, um, we've got I think photocopiers. I was the only, because I already had an email address. I think it was the only one, in, and I was the junior staff member. So the boys would like give me shit for like, you've got an email address? Like how does it like? <laughs> it's All right, so, so what happened so I, next? Didn't last long at Channel 9. Girls don't work in commercial television That's stations. That's why I'm going to do something to change that, but go um, on. <laughs> And I got, I had already put in my brain that I wanted to get a job at a place called Global Television. What What is Global Television? Well, Global Television is now called NEP. It's the company that subcontracts and does most of the outside broadcasting um, in Australia. They're oh, actually, for the free to air television stations? Uh, for everyone. Right. For everyone. So they're like the largest company. At the time, they weren't the largest, but now they're owned by an American company. So right. they're like pretty big. Um, so what did you do there? I was a technician right? and literally did what I said I was going to do in the first place, which was work on sporting events as a technician. So as a 16-year-old, took me like 12 or something years, maybe 14 years, that's where I ended up. Turns out, burnt myself out again working Hang too on, many what's hours. Hang on, what's this burn? Just the hours. You just Are you a, one of, of those workaholics that yes. want, if you love it, you get into it and you do too sort much? Sort of. And there's, you know, turns out I have ongoing health issues Yeah, right. that I – live with but that's just how we live these days um so i did that for three or four years Mm -hmm. all up different bits um had met my husband while we were at work so what's this now this is six or seven years in television production sort of yeah which is pretty amazing as a woman my god in those (laughs) days were you pretty much the only chick there most of the time no there was other chicks i I just i know i had boy i had the gang of boys around me that i bossed around yeah no i can imagine that you would have loved that (laughs) but i just feel like that there wouldn't have been a, a lot of women in television. I mean, I know even now that a lot of women are sort of saying they well, break their necks on in, the glass in, ceiling. In engineering or in OBs, there's not that many women. Like you no. know who they are in the world in, a, in yeah, Australia. Right. Okay. Um, the issues I went through, I've heard stories of recently. They're still happening. Right. Um, being harassed by seniors, being harassed by men who are related to men who run companies, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, being denied promotions because it's your fault that he can't keep his hands off you. That's still happening and that's – Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Still now. That's still happening. Like that's happening now. Gosh. Um, God, I can't wait to make a change in that industry. Anyway, no, I don't know if that's okay, going to happen. So, uh, so then I, yeah, so I burnt so myself out. So what out. happens when you burn yourself out? What did you say? Do you have a nervous breakdown? I mean, Pretty did you much. end up having to go into hospital no, for a no, while No, no, I didn't go to hospital. I just stayed at home and didn't leave my bedroom for a really long time. Right. Um, oh, luckily I had thing. my husband. Um, I So it just Did he ner- look after you? Just I don't that? know if he looked after me. I think he, now if you said something to him, he'd be like, oh. She's grumpy again. Oh, get over it, will you? Um, right. But he's been doing it for twenty years. Uh, so I. Okay, so that's so you leave global television. Yep. What to do next? I mean, you've been burnt oh. out twice in TV. Was it time to leave TV? Yes. Right. So what so, was the next step? Um, I left global television, and got a job for a company called Pineapple Head, and actually went back and did exactly the same job I was doing with exactly the same people for another season, which was <laughs> oh, working God. on cricket. 
um, except I work for Pineapple Head. So I literally just looked after the computers that looked after the graphics on the. And nicer um, bosses, like you didn't have the people. Well, it was a very small team. Yeah. Okay. Literally, I just had to do what I was told. Um, How long did you stay at Pineapple Head oh, for? No, so I only did a season. So I signed up as a freelancer for one season. Right. And then I, because you work like uh, you do, if, for Pineapple Head, I did like nearly every cricket match in a season, which a is a lot more than you think of days. So you're like exhausted. So by the time I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just sit at home, work out what I'm going to do. I don't even know what I was doing really, probably just vegging out. Um, they asked me to come back for the next season, but they offered me not as many days. Um, and I went, oh, it's time to do the other thing, which is learn to be a chef. Right. So I walked down the street. We were living in Hawthorne, so the inner city. So I walked down the street. There was a new cafe opening in the shopping centre. It said, we want kitchen hands. Well, you know, staff, oh, bring this you guy. Could. So you went and started I rang as a someone kitchen up hand. and said, hi, can I have a job, please? And literally I went and met them. I well, you know, had an interview. Oh, yeah, you've got no experience. We'll give you a trial anyway because it's hospitality. Give anybody a trial. Um, I went back to TAFE. Did my commercial cookery. Were you loving it by this stage? Hang on a minute, though. I mean, did did you jump in with both feet like that straight away? Yes, like I jump into anything. I jumped into every. So I go back to TAFE, and I choose to go back to TAFE. So I'm one of the only people in the TAFE course, and if people in the TAFE course lost, there's lots of people there that are there because they're wanting to keep their social security benefits or whatever the reason is. Right. So I was there because I wanted to be. I was probably the only person when we started the class who had a job right. in hospitality because I thought, well, you're going to go do this, you throw yourself in. So I went and got a job washing the dishes, washing dishes at a cafe. They were surprised um, how good I was at it. And I'm like, it's washing dishes. Like, <laughs> like, like you have to care. Could I get a degree <laughs> in washing dishes? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to not care about getting dirty and a bit smelly wet. and wet <laughs> and you just keep washing dishes. Um, it's not that difficult. I did that for six months and then I got a job in a catering company and then I finished my qualifications and I got a job at the – What were you doing uh, at the catering company? Um, Cooking? I, no, sort of. I do prep a bit but I was at Tate four days a week so it was a bit hard to work. Um, so I would do these boat trips around Port Phillip Bay on Friday and Saturday nights and Sundays. Oh, I feel queasy already. I'm so bad with so boats. So literally I would go to the warehouse, pick up all the food out of the uh, cool room, yeah. put it in the van, drive to the boat, unload it all, reheat it all, plate it all up, put it all back in the van, drive back, and then maybe do that on Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. Sometimes I do like Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday. Did you enjoy it? Uh I don't enjoy it. It was like a job. Hospitality is a job. I know, I know. But for some people there's a passion and I guess I'm interested to know. I I I know you have the passion for cooking. But I I also have the passion and the the brain about learning stuff and I like numbers and I like patterns and um, so I'm someone who quite happily will put the same food on the same plate a thousand times. Okay. Um, so it turns out I'm not a very good a la carte chef. I'm a better function chef. So I worked that out about myself. So I did that for, I don't know, 18 months while I was getting my qualifications and then after that I got a job in a banquet kitchen and a large hotel. And did meanwhile that. the Merbu North or the move to the country dream is always there hovering yes. at the back of your head. Yes, and then we got to the bit where it was time to do it, so we did it. So what prompted the move? I don't know. It was just time to buy a house, I guess. 
Okay. I don't know what. There wasn't prompted. anything specific. No, no. And it was then, just, and then it was time to. There's more money in the bank for a deposit. Time to buy a house. Let's move to the and country. And then, as soon as, um, as soon as you got here, having already got your chef qualifications, what was the first move? Did um, you start building well, the garden or no, cooking? No, no, my first move was different to that. Um, I because I know people from the area because I came from the area, so I moved to Moobin North on the fourth of. July, I was at a, on a committee on the 5th of July. So literally. <laughs> you know I, how it works. <laughs> yeah, so I joined some committees. Yeah. Um, I got the job of doing publicity for the arts festival in May. Wow. Like I think paid. It was like a volunteer position. So I literally uh, volunteered my time. and Well done because uh, that's how you get into a country town, yes. isn't it? You just so get you involved just, in the community. So you just get involved in stuff. So I got involved and. Um, even years later, people were like, oh, great festival. And we're like, I've oh, got nothing to do with me. I wasn't like, <laughs> I don't even come in the street. Um, so I did that. I looked after, I built a website for the town. I did all these other things and um, all that stuff, community involvement pays off. And it's sort of, it's, I did that at the same time as I was renovating house and fixing up dairy and putting in vegetable garden. Oh, my God, you didn't learn from being burnt out, did you? <laughs> Only well, this, I guess, well, was your own I thing. I don't feel like I do a lot of work. Lots of other people say that I do a lot of work, but I don't feel like I work a lot. Right. It, does that make sense? Like it's not like if you enjoy what you do, you're not really working. Um, so that's what I did. I just did stuff. So how? Tell me how the so the restaurant was the first thing that you started yeah, here. So how did well, that all we, start? Did you did you buy this house with the milk shed, knowing yes, that that was the yes, reason? Okay. Yes. So we bought because there's so there's a little double brick building in the front yard, orange double brick building, and literally we built it with that in mind that that's where it was going to go. We didn't realize it would be so hard. Hard as in, turns out even though there's a push within state government and local government to have businesses like mine, which is food-based tourism businesses, mm. they actually don't want them in residential properties. <laughs> you just can't win, There's can a you? whole heap of like economically development-wise they want certain things and then actual planning-wise there's different rules. So it turns out we got in a lot of trouble because you're not allowed to have a restaurant in your front yard when you live in a residential property. Oh, I never knew that either. So yes. what happened? Um, they just gave you a hard time no, for a long time? No, 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 Lots of paperwork. Um, turns out you can get around it. You just have to pay lawyers and get bits of paperwork written. Right. So we had to go through the planning process. We've had to go through building process. Um it is possible. So from a business development point of view, I have gone through every single possible business development thing you possibly can do to start a small business. Great. So when Which someone makes you the says, perfect teacher. When someone says, I want to start my cake business in my home kitchen or my catering business in my own kitchen, I know all about everything you have to do to do that. Yeah, right. Makes um, sense. Yeah. So tell me how the business has grown over the last 10 years. Partly... I guess one of the things that I like to ask, and it may not have happened to you, but I ask it of everyone, is um, that moment often, you know, running your own business is ups and downs and one minute it's all great and the next minute something's shit and you never really know how to deal with it. One of the questions I like to ask is about whether you've had any moments during the course of running the business 
where you've thought where something has happened and you've just thought, oh my God, this is a disaster. I don't even know what how what to do because I know that's happened to me. And then you have to change direction or whatever you do and you look back on it later and you go, I'm kind of glad that happened because hmm. it led me in this other direction that I probably wouldn't have well, thought of. Well, see, originally – Have you got an example like oh, that yeah, or a I story have, you can tell me? So originally we – once we got through all the paperwork, we um, set the – we would run the restaurant at the front as a cafe mm-hmm. on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, you have staff. You need staff to do that even if you've only got minimum seats. You need prep to do that. Customers are really hard to deal with. You, people, but people were coming. People were coming. Um, you have to do a lot of publicity. We're not on the main drag, so. No. Uh, and and really, let's be honest. The main street is only a tiny little country town <laughs> street anyway. Yeah, but, so um, there's a lot of politics that go into a tiny country town little main oh, street. I bet. Uh, so we're not on the main drag. So that was a bit of a problem. We hadn't tied up all the paperwork properly, so that was a bit of a problem. How did you get the street signs? Because that's oh, that's part of your planning permit. So we got a planning permit. We were told we weren't going to get a planning permit. No chance whatsoever you're going to get a planning permit. But when we first moved here, when I joined all those community, did all that community work, uh, talking to one of the local councillors, we asked advice: what should we do? And he said, make sure when you bring your documents come to council, they know that you're a good sort. So hence doing all the community work paid off in because they knew I was a good sort. Yeah, right, right. If that makes sense. So I interrupted you. You were about to tell me about a disaster so that the turned disaster, into a delight. So literally, so we ran as a cafe and we couldn't find staff. Like there's problems that they're having in the hospitality industry now with the shortage of staff. We were already experiencing them. Partly it could be me, partly it's because we live in a small country town and people didn't want to drive to work, um, drive the distance from the bigger towns to here. So we closed the cafe at the end of 2018. Oh, my God. Were you heartbroken well, at the time? Well, I was probably time? not heartbroken. I was probably a bit burnt out again. Right. Like, you know, Just exhausted. trying to do the juggle? Yeah, because I was doing, you know, I was doing catering during the week. I was the person making sure there was enough money. Everything's a bit tight. You've got to make sure you pay your staff. If you forget to pay someone, oh, my God, yeah, yeah. you can get yelled at. For and you're in a country town. I imagine everyone would find out as yeah. well. So yeah. it would be right. Um, so big juggle. So you closed so you, it. Yes, yeah, so I closed the cafe bit, and we just concentrated on the cooking classes. So we did and which that. at the time, what were you thinking at the time? Like this is just not going to fly, or no, no, it was well. The cooking classes sort of evolved, and that's what everyone seemed to want me to do. So um, we just that that means that was the best thing for us to do was to just concentrate on the cooking classes. So yeah. we built another kitchen, well, the second kitchen in the house. So um, we have plenty of space. And then that was 2019. We were actually going pretty well in 2019 with cooking classes. They were going to pick and up. Then, uh, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> 2020 happened. Right. Yay. And how did that affect you? Um, we closed the business a couple of days before we were – mandated to close we've right. already gone oh let's you close for the time we could see it happening um i was in the fortunate position well at the time i had something else to do which is i'd gone back to university already to do my postgrad so um yeah, hang on what were you doing a postgrad in journalism okay i love <laughs> it that you just embrace things so fully <laughs> yeah because there's so many different things to do um so i just we closed in march I had bookings going forward, so I had bookings up until July or something, and I refunded the money slowly. Or I refunded to Mother's Day, and then we didn't open on Mother's Day, and then I refunded the rest of the year. 
And um, we did open up a little bit when we could because people were desperate for doing things. But um, same with 2021. Um, I took two years to do a one-year university degree. But for me, the last two years has been a bit like being – because I live in a small country town, um, we haven't been in the same lockdowns as the city as far as Victoria goes. Um, But you don't have anyone from the city coming down, which, of course, I would imagine is a big part of your customer base. That's correct. But that was all right because literally we just – did gardening, we did renovations and we planted more stuff in the garden and it was like being on holidays in your own house. Like yeah, like you've seen the backyard now. I've got a huge backyard. Like Vegetable, you, vegetable. Yeah, you just walked outside. There's, there's plots a, coming out the wazoo. Yeah, there's, you know, puppy dog to give you cuddles whenever you want. Husband was home a lot. Um, and it turns out I actually quite like being at home by myself. So... I was home by myself. I got a bit bored of doing things on Zoom, but that's just I know yeah. everyone got that. So so the last two years that we've been doing that, um, we are still running the cooking classes. People just seem to find it on Google. I've got my social media presence and all those other things, yeah. but I haven't worried about PR or anything at the moment because who knows well, it's what's so going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to my brother who's in hospital this morning and he was saying, they're starting to say again that there's going to have to be social yep. distancing. And I could hear it in his voice and he said, I just don't know if I can go through it again. That's why we haven't bothered to advertise. If yeah. someone like contact us or it's like it's on the website, you yeah. can, it says we're open, Facebook says we're open, blah, 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 um, you just contact me directly. So we're just taking a laid back approach yeah. to it because it's better to do that than to have a heap of bookings or spend the money on advertising because you do have to do that Get somewhere. Get all the people booking and, and then they've got to cancel anyway. Yeah, and you've spent the money on advertising, which, yeah. you know, let's just sit it out a bit. So we're just um Good idea. All right, along. so because this is about women in business yep. and I like to inspire other women as well, but one of the things that I'm trying to do is make women more visible <laughs> in the journey that you've had in your career, which sounds fascinating, particularly because you've worked in some very male-dominated areas. Mm-hmm. Have there been any women that you can think of that have really given you a leg up that you want to talk about? It was about? a woman, Kim at Channel 31. She was probably a bit of a mentor when I was in my 20s. Nice. Um, she went to acne. Uh, other than that, I've always been in the situation where, and I, I've had this recently happen to me. Women yeah. in media have recently done this to me, um, where I can give you an example. This is in 1999. I had moved to Sydney. I was working engineering. I got a job in outside broadcasts. I applied for a women in media. I think it was women in film and television mentoring program. Yeah. I said, could I please have a woman because I'd like to talk to women about women's stuff because I'm surrounded by men, men all the time. So they gave me the man because he was technical. Stop it. Now that I It's recently- only four years later and I still I just can't believe that they would do that to you yeah. when you've asked for a woman. And maybe they just didn't have any other women. They did. They just because they had this one man that was technical and I was the technical person they gave because not every woman's technical um, or in that field, oh they gave goodness. me the man and I met with him twice and the second, the first time he said, I think you've got enough tech, more technical people. like <laughs> Knowledge than me. Like by then I met my husband and he way more technical than the technical guy that they gave me that was technical. Um, so I found women have been not necessarily – Jules has just opened my cupboard. Yeah, sorry. With a foot. Closed it again. Um, 
I found women have not necessarily been that great at a leg up. Yeah, you did say something a bit earlier uh, about then, women haven't been great, and I'm so disappointed to hear that, but I do hear it a bit. Yeah, but, and and then, I wonder um, whether it was just the fields you were in no, as well. No, no, and then it might be because it might be the actual media field. And then recently, like now, yeah, like as in there's an email in my email inbox right today, um, I applied for a Women in Media Mentoring Program. Yeah. They didn't give me the technical person, but they didn't give me anyone – they gave me someone in a very similar situation as me and I had nothing to – I'm not saying she's not a nice person no. or anything. We had nothing but to talk about. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know why they do that. Anyhow. So they gave, they gave me the person, oh, because she works for herself so she's going to help you work for yourself and I'm like, I've been working for myself for 13 years now. I don't need any help to work for myself. Oh, and she's regional so we're giving you the okay, regional yeah, yeah. and I'm like – I want a city person. Not a I want someone person. who has like a proper LinkedIn profile, or a different, or a different sort of experience to yeah. you, I guess that you could. So, and I, I had to say, you know, I've got people exactly the same situation that this woman's in Queensland, exactly the same situation that she's in here in Gippsland. I can just ring them up, or yeah. send them an email, or go to their house for a coffee. Well, oh, how disappointing! So. I pulled out. Yeah, well, I, it makes sense. So one of the other things that has really shocked me actually in the time that I've been interviewing people, and I think I've done about 200 now, is the number of women that have burnt out. And you've alluded to it a couple of times. So my question to you is how do you prevent that happening? What sort of hours are you working now? And do you oh. carve off me time, you oh. know, or to, to stop yourself from having it happen again? Well, see, now I just take it. See, for me it's different. So me it's a permanent mental illness, sort of permanent mental illness. It's just part of my personality. So I have a tendency to get depressed. Right. Um, Anxiety is not really my thing. If I'm anxious, it's just because, oh, shit, I'm anxious about not get, waiting for that piece of mail. It's not necessarily a mental health issue. Um, so I can get depressed. So uh, how, how do you manage that with your job? I just have to have quiet time. Yeah. Um, I can be the sort of person who locks themselves. I can be... I am the fantastic host, put all your energy into mm-hmm. the hosting. You are. And then once you leave, I might sit on the couch for a bit with my feet up. Yeah. Um, well, that makes sense. Because I live in the country, my idea of a downtime is I go to the city and go to a personal trainer. Right. Um, I haven't done that for a while. Well, there's been a bit of a problem with that. And um, go to a restaurant. So I live in a small country town. I have my own restaurant. We have places to eat where I live. But nice to get away, have someone else cook well, for you, see that. what they're doing. I like most of the food in the town that I live in, and I've probably offended everybody in the whole community, is Australian food. Right. So you can get more than one place with a chicken parmigiana. I like going to restaurants where they have food from different countries. So you're going to have to come and visit me in Footscray where you can eat lots of fresh yeah, Vietnamese yeah, food yeah, for like see, $6. So, so that's the – yeah, that's what I would rather do right. than – um. So that's my version of a day off. Yeah, no, well, I think that, that sounds great. I'm doing that great. next week. Lovely. In will maybe. Okay, so. Um, yes, that's what I do. So I just, for me, it's like something I have to live with in yeah. my personality. Does that make sense? So you just but learn can you to sense deal with it. it coming on? Uh, no, now I um I know enough about myself to know that I, I'm always I'm someone who's always looking for something new to do. I always have to be learning something. Right. So if I become stagnant, it's easier for me just to fall into a depression. No, just to leave. Right. 
So if something's not working, I'm someone who'll just go, oh, it's not working, I'll move on to the next thing. So I'm always looking for the next thing to do or next thing to learn and I'm just always learning Amazing. stuff. Amazing. So I always just keep learning stuff. And the food stuff's good because you – I mean, I made – you had – I made – what was it we had – Homemade ravioli with mm. homemade ricotta in the middle with tomato cools, um, concussed caper seeds and basil for lunch. It wasn't That's what caper I made. seeds, it was nasturtium oh, seeds, nasturtium which seeds. is very Poor cool. Poor man's capers, nasturtium seeds. Well, this morning I was cutting up the concussed and it's the third time in the week I've done it. I'm like, well, I'm over that and I had to do that dish now. Move on to the next <laughs> Move one. Move on, yeah, I guess Move that's the great the thing about dish. cooking. So like literally – and someone on the weekend asked me, how do I get all those ideas for food? And you're like, well, you just pick stuff and you study it and you just come up with a new idea. Yeah, yeah, love it. Um, one of the questions I love to ask that a journalist suggested that I ask, and you'll appreciate it, is is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? And I have had so many interesting answers. Quirky fact about me. Yeah, just something well, weird about I you. I like the colour orange, but that's really quite obvious. That's quite quirky. Once you look at me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's any quirky fact about me. I mean, I'm pretty quirky in the first place. I think place. you are. I think so that I that wins. And I think I'm pretty good at sharing most things, so I don't know if there's any quirky. I mean, my dog Seaborn's named after Rob's low character. Rob's Rob, Rob Lowe's. Lowe's character in the West Wing. Does that, is that sort of yes, quirky fact? Yes, I think that's that he, very quirky. That, so that tells you we've watched too many that's episodes fantastic. of the West Wing. Well, listen, thank you so much for um, the interview. If people would like to come to your cooking classes yes. or your restaurant yes. or they want to know about how to start a food product or start a hospital yes. business, what's the best way for them to get hold of you? Uh, website or Facebook, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Jackie Ken, which is spelled – if you ask Google ja- – if you say Google, find me Jackie Ken, you will find a quite man in his 60s or however old he is, Hong Kong movie star. Wow, Jackie Chan. <laughs> if you say Jackie Ken into um, Google, you will be directed to that. But if you type it into Google Maps, it brings into, you here. Yep, brings you here. Um, so Facebook's on all the things. We keep all the social media up to date. And the food mentoring and consulting type business is actually called Jackie Ken Cook. Right, and for those people that don't know, it's Jackie, J-A-C-I, as in short for Jacinta, yes. C-A-N, yeah. .com.au, is it so, for the website? Uh, Jackie Can's J-A-C-I-C-A-N, .com.au, which right. is that, and Jackie Can Cook is J-A-C-I-C-A-N. C-O-O-K. <laughs> <laughs> I know, having two websites with the same names. Ooh. Doesn't matter, you've got different parts to the business. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your story. That's right, thanks And I'm really you. looking forward to sharing this with everyone else. Thank you, Jules. My pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'sthebossscomau